Would you please stand? Our lesson this morning is Luke chapter 8, reading verses 4 to 8, the parable of the sower. While a large crowd was gathering and people were coming to Jesus from town after town, he told this parable. A farmer went out to sow his seed, and as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. It was trampled on, and the birds ate it up. Some fell on rocky ground, and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up with it and choked the plants. Still, other seeds fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than was sown. When he said this, he called out, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. Word of the Lord. There's uh, something we forgot to do this morning, so it's not too late. Uh, could you stand again with me and just greet one another? There's some really interesting people here today. Mary Lou. So let's close in prayer. <laughs> Isn't that one of the best parts of the service? Everyone's sitting there so serious and just, and then all of a sudden you see all these smiles and someone said it's kind of like a, some shelves full of perfume bottles that are tightly corked. There's a lot of good stuff inside, but you don't know 
what it is until you remove the cork and the fragrance just fills and blends together. That's what that's like. All right, this summer we're looking at um, some of the parables of Jesus. Today we're in Luke chapter 8, and uh, we're going to look at the familiar parable of the sower. Father, we thank you for your word, and thank you that every time we pay attention to your word, we have the tremendous opportunity of experiencing more of you and more of what we already have because of you. We are to work out our salvation with fear and trembling for you work within us to will and to do your good purpose. And uh, you have put things within us that we haven't even discovered yet, but you've given us the capacity to do things we're not really even aware of, but your word begins to reveal these to us and so we can live more effective, more meaningful lives, lives that bless other people. So help us to do that this morning too as we look at your word for we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. So this summer we're looking at four of the parables in the Gospel of Luke that stress the importance of paying attention. Because if we ignore God, there are consequences. And some of them are eternal. We saw that in the first two episodes. Now when Jesus was traveling through Israel telling people about the kingdom of God, he did get a lot of attention. Hundreds, even thousands gathered to hear him. In Luke 8, we have an example. It says, a large crowd was gathering and people were coming to Jesus from town after town. And he told this parable. Now in some parables, the meaning is clear. But sometimes it's encrypted. It took some work to decode the message, to figure out what he meant. And that's why Jesus said in verse 8, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. In other words, are you paying attention? Well, the disciples heard the parable, but they didn't understand it. Verse 9, the disciples asked him what this parable meant. And he said, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God has been given to you. But to others I must speak in parables so that those seeing they may not see, and though hearing, they may not understand. That's interesting. You see, in his parables, Jesus had two objectives simultaneously. He wanted to reveal truth to those who were sincere, and he also wanted to conceal truth from those who were skeptical. That's why in Matthew 11, 25 and 26, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and the learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this was your good pleasure. If someone has no appetite for spiritual things, it's useless to serve them a full meal deal. At most, you offer them an appetizer and then wait to see if they ask for more. You don't give them an overdose, just a sample. Someone said you can't force feed them and expect it to stay down. Matthew 7 verse 6, do not give to the dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. 
You see, we live in a world that's been hardwired to doubt, to despise, and disobey God. And so most people cannot handle spiritual truth. Light is very threatening to those who love darkness. So don't be surprised when they overreact. That's why you choose your words carefully. But at the same time, you have to make sure that you are paying attention. Because God wants you to experience an abundant life that is 30 times, 60 times, 100 times better than you can imagine. Better than anything the world can offer. And that's why Jesus told this parable. And he was addressing the problem of attention deficit disorder. Verse 5. A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. It was trampled on, and the birds of the air ate it up. He explains in verse 11. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. Those along the path are the ones who hear. And then the devil comes and takes away the words from their hearts so that they cannot believe and be saved. Among those who hear the words are people who simply have a closed mind. You know, even after hours, when all the customers have left, you will never see, you'll never see a farmer driving a combine through the Costco parking lot because there's no crop there to harvest. Well, there are people like that whose hearts are as hard as pavement, their minds are closed, and they're not paying attention. And God's word cannot penetrate beyond the stubborn surface of their cherished disbeliefs. Their heart is a high traffic area where spiritual truth is, is trampled by perpetual doubt. Now this cynicism can be triggered by a crisis. That's what happened to me. On November the 22nd, 1963, there was a tragic event that absolutely shattered my faith. John F. Kennedy was assassinated in Dallas, Texas. And as a 13-year-old, it just left me in a state of shock. I could not believe that God could let something like that happen. I was so traumatized that I started to turn away from God. And when I did, I began to notice all of the other things that God was doing wrong. And almost daily, Satan showed me more reasons to blame God for the problems of the world. I still went to church, but God's word was constantly trampled under all the disappointments that had access to my life. And so I became cynical. I closed my mind, I clenched my fist, and I hardened my heart. I remember sitting in a clip joint, and the barber had a Christian radio station on. And while I was waiting, I heard a preacher say, you cannot experience real joy without Jesus. Well, for me, that was a massive overdose, and it made me gag. I got so mad, like a dog with rabies. Do not give to the dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to the pigs. I don't know if I started grunting, but I could have torn someone to pieces. I was so angry. And Satan removed every seed before it germinated. Because that's how he works. Satan has salvage rights on all unappropriated truth. The thief comes to 
kill and steal and destroy. The silos of hell are filled with good seed that was found scattered on the hardened surface of closed minds. And this is not just a problem for unbelievers. Even Christians can develop closed minds. When you hear God's word, do you ever harden your heart? Do you ever say, well, I don't believe that. That's not true, not for me. Let me tell you a parable of a businessman who was facing bankruptcy. He owed a million dollars, and if he didn't repay the debt, he would lose his business. In the legal proceedings, he was asked if he had any other assets. And he said, well, I'm not sure. I once had an account in the bank, and periodically they send me notices saying I have $10 million in deposits. But I don't know if I believe that. You know, I went to the bank the other week, and I stood around for a while, and I saw people walking out with money, but no one gave me anything. The bank may work for other people, but it doesn't work for me. Well, there are Christians like that. You know, they go to church, and they watch other people enjoying God and worshiping and being encouraged by his word, but it doesn't register for them. Five minutes after the service, they've forgotten everything they heard, and they've never claimed the promises of God because they become cynical. Their mind is closed for business. There are no deposits or withdrawals, no transactions taking place. Well, you know, I have some good news for you. I want to give you your current balance. This is what's in your account right now. Ephesians 1.3 Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. That is your current balance. That's what you have right now. And every time you come to church, God wants to make you aware of the riches that he has already given you. We are spiritual multi-billionaires, heirs to the greatest fortune in the universe, so we should not be living in spiritual poverty. When you go to withdraw your money from your account, the teller doesn't say, I'm not going to give you anything today because you're not in a good mood or you're not dressed well enough or you really don't deserve this money. Has that ever happened? All you have to do is show up and claim what is yours. Jesus said you have not. Why? Because you ask not. And you ask not because you believe not. Satan does not want you to know how much is in your account, how much God has already given you. So unclench your fist, open your mind, let some light in, and why not go on a shopping spree? Never leave church in the same condition you were when you came in. Be aware of the riches that are yours. Open your mind. Verse 6 says, Some fell on the rock, and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. 
Verse 13 says, those on the rock are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. Along with the problem of a closed mind, there's also the issue of a collapsed faith. These are people who go to church and they pay attention and they hear the word and they respond to it and they're filled with joy for a season. But when life gets difficult, their faith collapses. That's like the crowds who follow Jesus. They were often animated by enthusiasm, but lacking in endurance. The effect was temporary. Because sometimes the seed falls in shallow soil. The roots don't go deep enough. And so whatever grows, those shoots become scorched by the desert sun. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. Do you ever feel like your faith is wilting? Sometimes it doesn't feel so great to be a Christian. Every disappointment can drain our spiritual energy. And I've concluded that the only healthy response to trials and tribulations that test our faith, the only healthy response is to deepen our root system. Because to survive in the hostile climates of enemy territory, our roots have to draw from underground springs and the moisture provided by God's mercies that are new every morning, that are like dewdrops. The Psalms talk about that. Psalm 1, blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither, and whatever he does prospers. He delights in the law of the Lord and meditates on it day and night. How is that possible? That guy can't be very busy. How does he find the time to do that? Psalm 92, the righteous will grow like a cedar in Lebanon, planted in the house of the Lord. They will flourish in the courts of our God. They will still bear fruit in old age. They will stay fresh and green. We all know seniors like that who are just so full of spiritual life. They're flourishing. They bless us when we come into their presence because their roots are deep, very, very deep. You know, when your roots go deep, your faith can flourish in the worst of times. That's the adversity gospel. The prosperity gospel only works in the best of times. It is inflated by favorable circumstances or showers of blessing. But that kind of faith is simply not sustainable. In a drought, the, the dehydrated believers in the prosperity gospel will suffer burnout. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. Do you only pay attention to God in the years of plenty? It's even more important to pay attention in times of scarcity. And I know you do that because you have been so faithful over so many years. There's been, in church life, there's so many ups and downs. But you've persevered. You've been faithful, and that's amazing. It's like the prophet, 
prophet Habakkuk, who said in Habakkuk 3, 17 to 18, though the fig tree does not bud, and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails, and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen, and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord, I will be joyful in God my Savior. All his circumstances were negative. There wasn't a single thing that he could point to and say, that's good news. Everything was bad news. Yet I will rejoice in God my Savior. And many of you, maybe most of you, have exactly that kind of faith. That kind of faith will not be shaken. It will never collapse. It's been tested in difficult times. Verse 7. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up with it and choked the plants. In verse 14, he explains, A seed that fell among the thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. Here we have another case of attention deficit disorder. These are people who pay attention originally, but then they get distracted. They get too busy. This is the peril of a crowded life. And I guess that's been a problem for at least 2,000 years. They had it back then. We're kind of like Martha, Martha, worried and upset about so many things. We worry that we won't have enough. And then when we do, we get preoccupied with materialism. We start buying things we don't need with money we don't have to impress people we don't like. And then we pursue pleasure, the things that make us feel good. The problem is that all of these are very high-maintenance lifestyles. They demand a lot of our attention. And so we have to make sacrifices in other areas. And often our spiritual life becomes less of a priority. It's interesting with the... Uh, we were quite involved with a Cambodian church in Edmonton. And they came out of an extremely difficult situation with the Khmer Rouge and all the the genocide that, that went on there. And they lived in a refugee camp. And there was a revival that broke out in that refugee camp. And many became Christians. And so they, were, they immigrated to Edmonton and formed a church. And it was a very healthy, thriving church. And they were all struggling financially. But in time, they began to prosper. And you could actually tell that the more prosperous they got, church membership declined. Until at the end, there was only about a dozen left. Their, their, the word was choked out by the things of this life. Often our spiritual life becomes less of a priority. And we hardly notice it because there's planes to catch and bills to pay. Jesus says these things become weeds and thorns, overcrowding our life so that the good seed does not have space to mature. Any of you who've ever done gardening know that weeding is not optional. In St. Albert, I planted about eight rows of carrots each year, enough to last us for at least six months, and they were sweet and delicious. I really miss those carrots. Now we have rabbits, so... We can't do that anymore. But when I planted those carrots, before any shoots appeared, our garden was 
covered with weeds. Where did they come from? I didn't hold them because I didn't know where the carrots were. So I just got down on my knees and I, by hand, pulled all those weeds out, one at a time. It took me over two hours. Well, eventually you saw where the carrots were growing. But the weeds were back as well. So it was like the Terminator, I'll be back. That meant I constantly had to pay attention to what was happening in my garden because if I didn't, the weeds would dominate everything. So I'd get down on my knees again and I pulled everyone out. And this time it was less than two hours. And then a few weeks later I had to do it again and it took about an hour. And that pattern was repeated maybe four or five times and each time it was easier until eventually all we had was a healthy crop of carrots. But it took quite a bit of weeding. And that is a perfect illustration of my spiritual life because in order for me to grow to maturity in my faith, I have to do a lot of weeding. I have to make a lot of decisions about things I will not do, about time I will not spend, decisions about tasks I will postpone so that my soul has space to breathe. Because with so many distractions and diversions, I have to pull weeds pretty much every single day because there's always more where those came from. I have to pay attention to what's happening in my life so I can recognize what is distracting me from God today. What are the things distracting me so I'm not paying attention to God today? And often it's just being busy. So my schedule sometimes needs some radical pruning because there is this temptation we have to get things done. Many things, as many as possible. And then for the grand finale, we're going to do two or three more things that we weren't going to do yet. Yes, we can. And it's such a wonderful feeling. It's such a productive day. But then, by then, we're so exhausted, we don't have any energy to pay attention to God. Well, maybe we'll do that tomorrow. No, the question is, how are you paying attention to God today? You know, you can't postpone your obedience to God till next Tuesday. Remember Wimpy and Popeye? I will gladly pay you Tuesday for a hamburger today. Well, that Tuesday never came. It's not about Tuesday, it's about today. The question is, how are you paying attention to God today? What is distracting me from God? Most of the weeding is done in the early weeks of the growing season. That's why connecting with God at the beginning of another business day is a very healthy habit. That's when his mercies are new in the morning, like the dew. You can draw moisture from them to sustain you in the heat of the day. If you leave that for the end of the day, you might be dehydrated by then. And you might have a whole field of thistles and you don't want to deal with them because you don't know where to start. But if you pay attention to God in the morning, then you can fix your eyes on Jesus and keep focused and finish strong. And like that man in Psalm chapter 1, he meditates on the law day and night. 
Because each day has so many opportunities for us to grow spiritually, not just Sunday. But if I don't pay attention, if I lose my focus, I may have to do a lot of backtracking just to break even at the end of a busy day. And that's not a healthy habit. Get rid of the weeds early and keep at it until verse 15. But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering produce a crop. The seed on good soil came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than was sown. In Matthew it talks about 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold. To me, that sounds like the abundant life. If I hear the word and I believe it and receive it and apply it, the effect will be a hundred times greater than my efforts. God takes my little efforts, my puny efforts, my fumbling, stumbling abilities, and he multiplies the effect a hundred times. All I ever had to do was use one little envelope of carrot seeds. And we got more carrots than our fridge could hold. We were giving them away in shopping bags to people who didn't even deserve them. And that's what I like about following Jesus. Because in religion, it's all about our effort. We get our salvation the old-fashioned way. We earn it. But you never know if you're doing enough and you're, you get so tired of trying to measure up. But Jesus invites all of those who are exhausted by effort and he says to them, come to me, you who are weary and burdened. I'll give you rest, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus is not a hard man expecting to gather where he is not scattered or to reap where he is not sown. In fact, he has done all the heavy lifting for us, bearing the burden of our sins. That's why Bill Hybel says the key word in religion is do. You've got to do this and you've got to do that. But the key word in Christianity is done. It's all been done. Jesus on the cross says it is finished. And if it is, then we can find rest. And with that rest, we gain the energy. As 1 Corinthians 15, 58 says, to give ourselves fully to the work of the Lord because we know that our labor in the Lord is not in vain. The most frustrating thing I think that anyone can experience is if you're a farmer and you plant a crop and it gets destroyed. There could be pests, there could be hail, it could be too hot, no moisture. There are many ways a crop can be destroyed, all that effort and nothing to show for it. Well, that never happens in the Christian life because your labor in the Lord is not in vain. That's a promise. That's a promise based on the resurrection because that's what that passage talks about. So we will bear fruit, much fruit, fruit that shall remain. We'll, we'll be able to experience 30 times more power and 60 times more joy and 100 times more love than we ever could imagine. And it's all because we kept paying attention. 
week after week, day after day. So, those who have ears to hear, let them hear. Father, we thank you for your word because it tells us the truth. We never would have suspected that spiritually we are so rich that we are the beneficiaries of every spiritual blessing through Christ. Father, we thank you that uh, this is not just for ourselves. This is so we can share it with others. We need to start giving away bags of blessings to other people because we'll never run out ourselves. We want to overflow with your grace and your goodness. And it all starts because we heard your word and we received it. And the fruit came just as naturally as when we plant a seed in the garden. So Lord, what we need to do is just pay attention to the things that are distracting us from you. To make sure that uh, we seek first your kingdom and your righteousness. And all these other things will, will come in time. But they're secondary. We do this for your honor and glory. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Before we sing our closing song, we just want to take a few moments of reflection. It talks about meditating on the law of the Lord. Well, I wonder if you can see yourself in this parable somewhere. Are one of these dangers something that you have to deal with right now, even today? What do you need to do about that? to remove the distractions and to give God your undivided attention. It's the least he deserves. We'll give you some moments for that and then we'll sing our closing song.